it wasn't a fake spike. I was going to spike it. I don't know what happens. Like you tried to throw a stupid fucking pass. Yeah. He, he blamed, blamed, he blamed I don't know what Haley. happened. The Ben Roethlisberger story. <laughs> 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 So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. It's coming up in the playoffs, so it's time to look who's in and who's out, and then some other news from around the league. Take a look at some of the games from last week, some questions from you, the listener, and then on to uh, our picks for week 16. So hey, we got Connor here, we got Harry, hey. and we got Ronan. Hello. Back to a full compliment, lad. So what's the crack? How's yourselves? Yeah, grand. I'm over my, over my illness anyway, which is good. Got my voice back, more or less. Uh, Fab. Then ruined it all by drinking, but you know. Yeah. Um, Swings and roundabouts. Yeah, absolutely. Swings yeah. and roundabouts. Saw, saw the uh, Disaster Artist last night. Very good. What did you make of it? It was alright. Like, it was an entertaining film. I don't think it told us anything new or did anything that, like, wasn't fun. Like, it, it's not as funny as The Room. So, like, it was decent, but I don't get why there's all this buzz about it. It's, like, it's fine. It's there. But if you've watched The Room, The Room is clearly funnier, so... Uh, What's the point of this? I don't, I don't think it's directly competing with The Room. I don't think that's the market it's going for. No, it's not, but that's the point. <laughs> if you're going to make a, a tribute to it, you should be able to, to bring more humour or insight. And It doesn't really do either. It's just like, hey, here's The Room, and some stuff happened, and the Franco brothers are really into it, mm. and they just wanted to dress up and play as Tommy Wiseau and Greg Sestero. Well, this is, this is interesting, because I know uh, Fitz was, was seeing this during the week, didn't you? Yeah, I, don't, like, I, I pretty much agree with Ari. I think it's just a fun film. Uh, and if you're into the room, then it's like a nice companion piece. But yeah, like it's not going to replace it. I don't think that's what it's trying to do. I think you know James Franco is obviously having a lot of fun, and fair enough, James Franco is pretty good in his role. He he, he definitely is having fun regardless. And fair enough. That makes a fun film. I think it's worth a worth a look for anyone who's a fan of the film. Yeah. Any other crackdown in Cork? I know you you that that you were at the Star Wars and a few bits like that. Yeah, watch the new Star Wars. Uh, hashtag no spoilers, of course. But uh, yeah, very meta film, but uh, fun overall, I think. Uh, I think it's a film specifically designed to annoy Star Wars fanboys, the ones who are really into the lore and stuff. So Excellent. I think uh, we'd all be kind of like, yeah, fuck those guys. Like They're pretty much the worst. Be ready for your like two-hour-long deconstructions of why this doesn't really fit in with the proper you know, lore of how the Force works. Speaking yeah. of several hours of deconstruction, onto the Seahawks game from last week. <laughs> uh, no, no, we'll, we'll, sure we'll discuss it later on, but uh, this is, I suppose, a, a perfect time as all to have a look at the playoff permutation. It's going to be probably the main section of the news this week as we're coming up very close in the postseason and things are starting to solidify themselves a little bit. So we will kick off in the AFC. So we kind of know a few of these bits are already decided in that we know that three teams have locked up their positions in the postseason. That is the New England Patriots, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think the Jaguars can technically fall out, but it's almost impossible. But yeah, so those three are locked in. Kansas City, following their win on the weekend, uh, look like they are, I believe it's 96% to uh, to stay in their position. They'd need to lose out, have the LA Chargers win out uh, for that to, to, to not happen, which doesn't look likely. KC playing Miami and at Denver. LA Chargers likely to win their games as well, I would say, uh, at the Jets and uh, at home versus Oakland. So the real push here is going to be, I suppose, one between who's going to get the the home field advantage and the buys out of the AFC, and then also who's going to take the uh, the two wildcard spots. So I suppose we will discuss the New England-Pittsburgh game a little bit later, but that was a very important one, Harry, uh, in New England's endeavour to keep it rolling and have yet another first round buy. Yeah, it was, particularly after the loss to Miami, kind of set them back, game back mm-hmm. from the Steelers. It was essentially a must-win, and obviously we'll discuss, as you said, how that came about. But uh, this is hugely important, and you'd think from here that New England will hold on to this. We've seen that this team is not where it was, and there's some concerns. Again, we'll discuss these later, but New England being New England, um, you would figure they'll be able to beat Buffalo and you would figure that they'll be able to beat the Jets and close out the season with the number one seed and critically get then home field uh, throughout the playoffs as well as the first round bye, which is the is the big thing here. Yeah, of course, and it's also it's, it's that that win for the Patriots uh, put a bit of a dampener on Jacksonville's chances as well of getting a first round bye in a home field the whole way through because if that was to happen, they would have the tiebreaker, I believe, over New England, and it would have been a, would have been an interesting one. As well as the big races, who's going to be taking these wild cards? So I think. 
as it stands, it would be um, the Bills in Tennessee, but this is quite up in the air as both the LA Chargers and the Ravens are pushing quite hard at these. Now, my personal prediction at the moment is that I think that the Ravens are going to win out because they've got two easy games, I believe it's the Colts and Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, so I think that gives them the five seed. And then I think the Chargers are going to win out and take the 9-7 and seven as they have the tiebreakers over the Bills. And I believe the Bills are going to drop another game when they play New England at least. So I would, I'm currently looking at as I'm expecting the Ravens in the five seed and the Chargers in the, in the six seed. What do you think, Ronan? Are you in a similar lockstep or what would you be thinking about that? Well, certainly I would think that would be the preferred... Uh, teams in the playoffs personally uh, neither Tennessee nor Buffalo are teams that I'm particularly excited to see get tranced by like the Chiefs or by Jacksonville probably you know Tennessee obviously has the big advantage that they hold uh, head-to-head over Baltimore who are likely the other team to they're competing against but their schedule is so tough they're playing the Rams they're playing Jacksonville albeit both of them at home and considering how bad they're playing right now which we'll discuss in the reviews as well it's kind of hard to see them like they might win a game and that could definitely keep them in contention but it's hard to see them winning both games and I think that'll open the door for Baltimore to kind of get beyond that tiebreaker I think the Chargers with the exception of what happened in KC have looked really good and then really I think Buffalo is the interesting one they're at New England that's usually not a great matchup but obviously New England have had their issues recently uh, but with Gronk back, New England seems have, like has enough probably to take them on. And then I think that game Miami could be absolutely huge because like Miami have been you know, very up and down this season, but are definitely good enough to beat Buffalo, especially at home. I expect that the LA Chargers will win out, and then it's up to Buffalo: can they get that win against New England? Can they get the wins against Miami? But I think you know the Chargers are also the Chargers, so I wouldn't be surprised if they managed to drop one against the Jets, for example, away from home. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting because, like I said, that would mean that we'd be looking at uh, Kansas City versus the Ravens uh, at Arrowhead and then we'd be looking at Jacksonville versus the Chargers. But, yeah, no, I think... I hope it's better than the last time they played. <laughs> Hopefully. but uh, Technically, Jacksonville will have it in because they play, they play Tennessee the last week. They could technically choose to basically force themselves to get uh, a doubleheader against Tennessee if they wanted to, if they win... If they drop that game, is it? Yeah, if they lost that game against Tennessee, I think that would boost Tennessee sufficiently that they would probably. Well, I think I think I think I think that depends on Tennessee to yeah. do well in their game against New England. Yeah, so there was a lot of permutations there because yeah. you're looking at like Tennessee currently have a tiebreaker over Buffalo and Baltimore. So then you're looking at one of those teams to drop, and then so can need, they get ahead of the yeah, Chargers? So you need, need Baltimore to, yeah, you need Baltimore to drop a game over the next two, and then they get it over them in the on the tiebreakers. So yeah, you, you basically you need Tennessee in the sixth seed, and there's a lot of permutation surrounding that for yeah. that to happen. No, fair but enough. But it's possible that going into the game, it could be the case for Jacksonville. Yeah, could be, could be, could be interesting. I'm sure if if that's the case, we'll be chatting about it in advance of, of of that game. But that's roughly where the AFC stands at the moment. A little bit different from how we would have, you would have talked about it four or five weeks ago when people yeah. said like. Well, there's, there's one and a half to two and a half teams in here. We'll move over to the NFC then. So what do we know about the NFC playoff picture so far? Philadelphia have clinched a bye week. And I believe with one more victory, they can clinch home field for the, for the lot. Minnesota have won the NFC North and I think are one game away from clinching themselves a bye week. Uh, beyond that it gets a little bit more interesting so NFC West is almost certainly won by the Rams but where that could leave them positionally they have Tennessee and San Francisco on their schedule not exactly a murderer's row Uh, they'd have to lose out and Seattle would have to win out for Seattle to be able to jump them uh, I believe Um, beyond that then we've got the mess of teams in the AFC South that we don't know exactly what's going to happen here so we have Carolina, Atlanta and New Orleans all fighting and then like Tampa Bay just being the one who's there to see how it's all going. <laughs> you would probably imagine that you're going to get your wild cards out of the south as well and who else would be in the hunt there beyond them? It would probably be the Seahawks or the, well, potentially the Rams but realistically probably the Seahawks. Yeah, like the, the Atlanta Falcons are in the driving seat because they hold a head-to-head tiebreaker over Seattle, Detroit and Dallas. So they would need to drop both of their remaining games um, and then one of those teams would have to win out and Seattle and Dallas have to play each other this week uh, for them to be overtaken. Now, the only reason there's any hope for those chasing teams is the fact that Atlanta are playing New Orleans and Carolina, their you know, division rivals. Yeah. So for Atlanta, there's kind of a, there, there's a very wide spectrum of things that can happen. If they win out, they win the NFC South over the two teams due to tiebreakers. But if they lose out, 
there's you know a non-trivial chance one of these other teams will win out and then uh, will win out and then take over from them. So for Atlanta, like they're probably the team with the most variance in, in their future right now. But I think the way Atlanta have been playing, you would probably be confident they could at least win at least one of these NFC style matchups. But uh, there's no certainty up to this point. Um, of the wild card contenders, which is Detroit, Seattle, and Dallas. Seattle and Dallas play each other basically in an elimination round next week, and then they have Arizona uh, at home for Seattle. That's a winnable game. Yeah. Dallas have either at Philly, Dallas, but at that point Philly will be resting. resting yeah. And Detroit has Cincinnati, Green Bay, Green Bay without Aaron Rodgers probably. So Detroit, like, there's like it's not that difficult to imagine Detroit winning their last two games because they're relatively easy compared to everyone else's schedule, and then sneaking into the playoffs. I don't think that'll be a great outcome to be honest from a football point of view, but. Of these teams, I would say they're probably the ones best placed to, to do that. Um, to, to do a sneaky like, six seed on it. Yeah, and it would be kind of bad because I'd much rather have Atlanta or Seattle. Uh, maybe not Dallas because fuck Jerry Jones, but uh, yeah, um, yeah, the Detroit aren't a good enough team to really be a factor in the in, in the in the NFC playoffs if they made it. Yeah, like you can really see the thought that the schedule makers put into putting all of these divisional games at the tail end because it makes for a rather. Uh, exciting kind of push to the tail end. Uh, like, Harry, out of these ones in the hunt, who do you think are the most likely to be taking wild cards? I think Ronan's pretty much nailed what the, the most likely outcomes are. I think the one to watch is probably Detroit because their final two games are extremely soft and they don't have the head-to-head Dallas-Seattle. We don't know how it's going to go at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, you would think Seattle would be favoured in theory, but God be seen how Seattle have been performing recently so it's up in the air I don't know if I would favour right now the Falcons against either the Saints or the Panthers Mm -hmm. so I think what's interesting is unfortunately Ronan's least favourite scenario I think the most likely outcome if there is a change is Detroit sneaking ahead of of Atlanta Mm -hmm. and what would be what would be the head-to-head between Detroit and Dallas if they were to tie on uh, on on record Um, as far as I'm aware Detroit has the tiebreaker but I'm not 100% on that yeah, well, that's, that's the thing. The, the Dallas went through that period of just being dog shit. So, uh, so that's probably yeah. Awesome. I think it would. I, I think it would come down to uh, conference uh, record. Yeah. But that's fair enough. So, uh, so that'd be that'd be interesting now. Um, I suppose that this was the major question. I suppose then is what's our what's your pick for the winner of the NFC South? Carolina looked like the best team. Yeah, it, like Carolina have to go to Atlanta. Atlanta will be yeah. I, I kind of like Carolina because New Orleans seem to have lost a bit of steam recently. But I, I pick Carolina. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I don't. I think he's right. Right now, Caroline looked like the best team, but I don't see New Orleans dropping either of their games, and I believe New Orleans has the tiebreaker. So I have. Yeah, I, I, I think I've, I've Saints on. taking it. I think myself, but uh, I've, I've I've been on the Saints bandwagon for a while yeah. now. At this point, so I think, I think they'll hold on. But I think that would give us a Carolina at New Orleans uh, wild card round game if that situation held. Which That'd would be, be very fun. interesting. Yeah. That'd be real fun. Because uh, that'll be them playing what three times in the space of four or five weeks, isn't it? Fun times. Uh, let's just see how deep into the playbooks they'd have to go with that one. <laughs> so um, obviously this will clarify a little bit after next week. Uh, other just bits of news that would have impacted this during the week, uh, and we will discuss it in a second. Actually, uh, Aaron Rodgers came back, but now they are officially eliminated from playoff contention. So the question remains: Will they allow to stay in and playing? I have heard that they have now reactivated a quarterback that they had taken off the roster to bring him back from IR. So that would suggest to me that they're looking to just put him in mothballs and get him healed up for next season. Uh, he is sore in, in inverted commas. Yeah. So. <laughs> so I suppose that brings us nicely over to the uh, to the injury section for uh, this week. So I suppose big name injuries that have occurred. Uh, Pittsburgh wide receiver Antonio Brown has a partially torn calf where he got a, a knock on his calf uh, I think it was the second quarter of the game it was quite early on uh, so they say that it's not torn it's or it's not badly torn so he should be back in time for the playoffs but they're going to bench him for the next two weeks just to get him healthy so probably not a big impact move I think they've got a lot of options out there they were able to compete with the New England team without him on the field so I'd imagine they'll be fine right? Yeah, you think so, although when Pittsburgh throw out one of those stinker games, he can be the difference between a win and a loss, but based on the weapons they have available, they should be okay. And I do get that feeling that like if Antonio Brown was there on those final kind of like minute, like just for those bit over the middle, that could have been a very different end to this. Antonio Brown had been there for the entire game, Pittsburgh might have been up by 14. (laughs) That's true. As we mentioned, quarterback Aaron Rodgers is sore, Uh, we reckon that he's probably going to be mothballed, right? Yeah, pretty much it's everything. All the indications that have come out today, after their elimination was confirmed, 
has been building towards that conclusion basically after Atlanta won uh, Monday Night Football. Yeah, and uh, the only other kind of playoff relevant uh, memories uh, Rex Burkhead, running back from New England, has got a knee sprain. They say he's injured, but he'll be back in time for the playoffs, which, to be honest, given his utilization in the last couple of weeks, he seems to be a quite an important part of their. Their game planning, they use them in a couple of different ways. Even though they've got a huge stable of running backs there, it is, it's someone who seems to have featured recently in their game plans quite a bit, so they'll want him back in time. Um, but yeah, I think that'll wrap it up. We have Adrian Peterson got injured and might be gone. He's gone for the season, might be gone for, for the whole shebang. Trevor Simeon, like, who cares? So uh, we'll move on to our favourite part of this and every week, crime and punishment. What are they doing? It's probably felonies. Thomas Davis has been banned for two games after his hit on wide receiver Devontae Adams. Um, is two games a fair decision in this spot, especially given how it compares to some other hits that were given half game, one game, no game suspensions? Yeah, uh, probably not. I mean, it was very similar to the hit that Danny Trevathan uh, laid on him, uh, on Adams earlier in the season, mm-hmm. and that was only a one-game suspension. It was a really, really nasty hit, mm-hmm. but you look at like the one with Trevathan or Juju Smith-Schuster or even Gronk dropping the elbow on the Bills player that only got one game banned. It, yeah. it doesn't seem very consistent, but welcome to NFL officiating. It was a bad hit and he should have been suspended, but if mm. the current standard we're going with is that this kind of hit is a one-game ban, it seems a little weird to give Davis two. Maybe it's because they feel he should have been tossed during the game, but some of those other guys should have been tossed during the game yeah, as well. That's in, true. In fact, Paul Mike Evans into that list um, as somebody who wasn't tossed and then only got a one-game ban. So, so yeah, a little little odd there. Yeah, I also believe Thomas Davis was on Twitter afterwards. I guess Devante Adams posted something up about uh, about targeting and him apologising, saying that it, he gave an explanation for it, something to do with taking like blocking rather than trying to do something else. I don't know, but uh, but Thomas Davis genuinely at least seems to be feeling bad about what he did which is a plus uh, other news oh wow it's back but thankfully we won't have to talk about it all the time uh, Ziggy Elliott has returned from a six game ban and is raring to go apparently um, I'd be ripped yeah I've seen the pictures he looks in incredible shape to be honest uh, but yeah I'd imagine that they're now going to try and feature him heavily and try and make a push at the end they're going to have to feel we said this at the time that like maybe they should have just taken the hit earlier let him sit the suspension a bit earlier and then just have a run of games with him because him not being in there like while they got some use out of the other running backs he will be a very significant upgrade as long as he's anywhere near where he was earlier on the season right? Yeah you would assume so but I think Dallas is I don't know I, I feel like Dallas's problems over the last few weeks and I agree with you earlier in the season would have been better but it feels like Dallas's problems in the last few weeks have gone just beyond the absence of Ezekiel Elliott like there have been problems with Dak Prescott's play, there have been problems with the O line play, mm. there have been problems with the play calling, and certainly you would think that Elliot, just from the hey we've got our franchise guy back, we're going to get a bit more respect for the run game, will help them, mm. um, as well as his talent level, which is undeniable. But I don't know if it will be that magic sort of heal all that a lot of Dallas fans seem to think it will be, because over the last few weeks we've seen a lot of problems emerge on that team, and I don't know if one guy coming back is going to fix all of them. Yeah, I get I get a feel from the way that a lot of the fans are talking that. Ziggy returning to the team is kind of like what they're trying to have it as being their Aaron Rodgers returning and giving them a hope uh, so it would be really funny if they lose this week uh, <laughs> we'll move over to Controversy Corner so this was interesting this news came out it kind of broke over the space of 24 hours so Panthers owner Jerry Richardson has been accused of workplace misconduct there was apparently a, a internal investigation being run by the Panthers uh, happening within the building already and that has now been taken over by the NFL has become a much more serious issue and uh, he then has decided that he is going to he announced on Sunday that he's going to sell the team and remove himself from ownership uh, this has obviously spurred on some interesting discussions from Steph Curry uh, I don't think he's currently called P. Diddy I think he changed his name again recently he's enough he's just Diddy isn't he? I, I, this is the thing I think he changed it again since he went to just Diddy P. P. Diddy also then uh, I believe he's, he's now been posting videos online making promises to players if he takes over an ownership what's he's go- what he's going to do and the kind of freedoms he's going to allow them it was a uh, Diddy has said that if he does buy them, he's going to sign Colin Kaepernick. Oh, very there good. There you go. <laughs> ah, sorted. There you go. Um, but yeah, so this is this is an interesting one. Obviously, Jerry Richardson, very well known owner, quite a quite a visible owner as well. I believe he put up a statue of himself outside. Um, this is an interesting one. It's interesting to see because this this is the type of thing where normally at this level you would expect that you'd normally be able to brush these type of things under the carpet and get away from them. But uh, an owner, this escalating from him and his own organisation investigating what he was doing to now the NFL taking over to within a day of them taking over him deciding to 
get out of Dodge essentially this is this is a bit of a surprise isn't it yeah well I, this, like you said it was, an, it was an attempt the internal investigation was an attempt to brush this under the carpet mm. and essentially it got leaked and selling teams was his way of essentially avoiding any punishment like I can make a billion dollars out of this and suffer actually no real repercussions mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to take that option which is unfortunate some of the stuff he was doing did you read about some of the stuff he was doing no I haven't done a huge amount of this bizarre so he used to like make women come in in jeans and then rate their asses and all this stuff it was just ugh Creepy, like super creepy old man shit, and also apparently he racially abused a player as well. I heard there was a mention well, of some racial slur being we, used. We always kind of suspected that Jerry Richardson was a racist. Yeah, um, to be honest, I think we kind of suspected of a lot of owners. That's, yeah, that's uh, true. Uh, so yeah, it was pretty, it, like it was all pretty like yeah, no, like I mean, there's so much shit here. This is you're not getting away with this. So mm. he's just chopped the fall of his sword. He's taken the easy way out. To be honest with you, hopefully they take the fucking statue down. But yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens. I hope. I know it probably won't happen with P. Diddy and Steph Curry and Michael Jordan and all these yeah random ones it would be really fun if something like that would happen the thing thing is I suppose like there's a thing I think it would be very fun but then there's also a little bit in the back of my head of like isn't this what we make like a lot of jokes about the Dolphins about that like they were trying to get like partial ownership from all these like your one Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas yeah. and all this kind of stuff and it's like oh we're superstar ownership and like oh god god bon this is going to this is going to yeah Bon Jovi trying to buy Buffalo like um, yeah, but I just want P Diddy to buy the Panthers and then hire Colin Kaepernick like, <laughs> hilarious uh, other news uh, we had some interesting referee crack over the weekend so there was a number of interesting calls a couple of old favourites from this podcast came up with a number of like fumbles through the end zones to provide touchbacks and a few things like that um, one that I thought was particularly interesting was the spotting of a ball which involved the folding over of a piece of paper yeah that yeah. was I, I, is that standard practice that didn't seem like standard practice right no I, I don't know like the, the referee has come out and said oh well we're just trying to establish that you know there is a space between the ball and obviously you know the, the actual stick and if there's a space therefore that implies that the ball is yeah it, it was just really weird it's just one of those things you know i don't think it's like a bad it's not necessarily a bad thing it's just a really interesting thing to happen and you know like i don't think it was that obvious like i think it was still obvious enough that they didn't really need it but i know referees got a referee and it certainly of all the kind of refereeing decisions made it was probably the one that's just the most strange but not necessarily the most controversial as i'm sure we'll discuss in the game reviews i didn't enjoy uh, the use of <laughs> internet going into like full-on conspiracy theory mode of all the photos being like is the paper at an angle oh the paper was folded double that means there's space oh, in yeah, yeah, yeah. The- there's like yeah there's they, why, why couldn't they do it with an unfolded piece of paper is that not thick enough to make sure they get these the fucking sort of the diagram for ms paint lines and circles on it and you're yeah, like yeah. oh my god this is like that time you guys tried to solve the boston bombing oh good god <laughs> uh, god bless you internet you all think you're so much better at random shit that you don't have any skill in uh trades and extensions chat new england sign Kenny Britton a two year deal they're paying him essentially nothing I think it's a two million dollar two year deal where I don't think anyone expects the second year to be used I don't know why it's in there in the first place I also I'm not going to lie don't fully understand this signing yeah well we we, we don't like our wide receivers are quite banged up at the moment um, as you probably noticed mm. uh, and Kenny Britt was available like I think this is going to be kind <laughs> of like, yeah it was a bit like that I think it's going to be kind of like a Floyd signing from last season of being like yeah whatever We'll bring him in for essentially no money. If he performs a miracle, we have an option to keep him really cheap for a second year. He probably won't. We can cut him at no cost. Yeah. And like the Floyd thing, it doesn't really matter. If he ends up making one big play, which is really all Floyd did with that block he threw against Miami. Yeah. And that helps you get to the Super Bowl, then it's worth it. It's it's a roll of the dice with effectively no downside. Yeah, it's so it's just it's that like, thing of like it just seems very odd given that like the knock on Kenny Ritt was that he wasn't trying, he wasn't doing fuck all. Yeah, he was getting paid. He might fucking but, try. He, but he was getting paid something wasn't it something like a seven hundred thousand a yeah. catch so far on his on that's, his yeah, Dwayne Bow numbers. Yeah, that is that is Cleveland Dwayne Bow numbers. But listen, yeah, that, Cleveland is a team with a bad culture, basically based on what we're hearing from from a lot of the people, or at least the free agency, like the big free agency, yeah. kind of felt that way. Whereas New England is a place if you don't do your job, you'll like they'll he'll be cut within a week, uh, and that's the difference between why New England has all the Super Bowls and Cleveland do not. Um, oh, what Cleveland are a very successful football team. They should never fire yeah. Bill Belichick. <laughs> Like Chris Hogan has been dealing with health issues as the season has gone on, and I kind of feel Kenny Britt is in that same kind of big physical receiver mold. So yeah. uh, I think that's probably the kind of what they're looking for contingency. If you can have four, you know, running backs randomly all the time, why not have four random, you know, X receivers? Yeah, yeah, it's true. And I think I think you know, it might, it might, what you said about physicality is an interesting point because I will say one small thing: is in that game against the Dolphins, uh, Brandon Cook's inability to 
be physical was exposed. Yeah. And when you're you're running with Danny Amendola and a half healthy Chris Hogan, and Gronk was obviously suspended for that game, you don't really have a physical presence. So yeah. even now Gronk's back, Britt does add a bit more physicality on the outside that New England don't really have right now with Hogan banged up. That's fair enough. Um, it's still, it's still one of those ones I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be trusting to put him out there. But I suppose if rings on the line, got a chance. Uh, other bit of news just that came in was uh, the cap, the salary cap is due to increase from uh, 167 million to somewhere between 172 and 178. So this will mean we've got between kind of five and 11 million more to spend. It should be interesting. Uh, I, just on the cap stuff, I think I saw uh, uh, an infographic the other day that the. 49ers at the moment are, are going to have the most amount of players under contract next year as well as having the most amount of cap space because I think they're due to have something like $95 million of cap space if, with if only they had some player coming into free agency that they could just give all of the money yeah it would, it would almost, it would almost work perfectly if they had someone like good on their roster who would be demanding a lot of money and they could, uh, they could maybe put it to good use who knows um, that fella, I'm sure. Well, given how they've approached it so far, I imagine some big fullback acquisitions in the off season. Yeah, we were talking about Carl Yuschek, right? <laughs> but uh, I suppose on that, we will swing over and have a look at some of the games from last week. Okay, so uh, first up this week, we'll have a look in the Ring of Honor at uh, New England at Pittsburgh, uh, 27-24. This is a very entertaining game, went right down to the wire. Uh, obviously, said, uh, there were some injuries in the game uh, with Brown going out and Burkhead going out as well. There was some interesting anger from some fans on certain calls that occurred. At the tail end of the game, there was a near touchdown by Jesse James that they then on review decided to call back because he never had possession of the ball this is an example I think of where people complain a lot about the catch rule I think the catch rule it's once you get your head around there being two things one is if with the ball moving beforehand or if they haven't caught the ball fully yet before they hit the ground once you've got that it's fairly easy and this was a fairly easy call once you saw that I think I think they made the right call on Jesse James not having a touchdown correct? Yeah I'd agree with the call I think what really confuses people is that is the sequence because the catch in Jesse James' case isn't determined until after he's already broken the plane. So normally people think sequence catch ball break plane. Yeah. But now it's start catch break plane finish catch, and because that action happens mm. in the middle of it, I think that's what people have trouble getting their heads around. I did see a very good flow chart that actually explained it. Yeah, I saw the same one. I think incredibly yeah. clearly, and it was the right decision. It's a very tough call, but you know. Nobody made Ben Roethlisberger throw to triple coverage say, at the end of the game. I, I was so. going to say, like, I'll tell you what's not a tough call. Colin, Ben Roethlisberger, yeah. a fucking moron exactly. for what he did immediately afterwards. And then trying to claim that, oh, I, th- I, was, I, I wasn't I, was a fake spike. I was going to spike it. I don't know what happens. Like, you tried to throw a stupid fucking pass. Yeah, he, he blamed, blamed, he blamed <laughs> I don't know Paul what Haley. happened. The Ben Roethlisberger story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But first, now it's come out subsequently that that, was, that would have been the Antonio Brown route. So it's like, you know... Maybe he doesn't distinguish between players uh, for whatever reason. There's like generous and non-generous interpretations of that. Yeah, no, there, 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 there is either he doesn't see he either doesn't yeah. see race or he thinks all black people look the same. Yeah, <laughs> I think like with, with Jesse James, you know, obviously the cultural interpretation. I think you're both right. It's clear, but that obviously begs the question of Jesse James. He decided to reach for it. He didn't necessarily need to do that. He could have just fallen backwards. Like Mike Tomlin probably doesn't think about the idea of like you know if you're if you're one yard away with 50 seconds left do you reach for do you reach out and use your instinct that's probably something Mike Tomlin doesn't necessarily force you to do something else but whereas we hear from Bill Belichick he's like never reach in that situation always secure the ball uh, because if, if he had not reached he probably still would have got a touchdown regardless yeah because he, he wasn't touched he wasn't touched at that point so if he just rolled backwards over his own body he would have been yeah. okay I think yeah. Speaking of tight ends, because the entirety of the comeback in the fourth quarter for New England was basically Gronkowski, just no one being able to block him. When they went for the two-point conversion, they put one person who was like eight inches shorter than him on him with no safety help over the top on a two-point conversion on a drive where Gronk has just torn up for about like 83 yards. It was 69. 69. Yeah, it was actually 69 yards on that drive. So, so... Gronkowski, it seems at the moment this team, and we'll discuss about the overall flow of the game, but this team seems to go as Gronkowski goes. Like His lack of presence at the Miami game was a big factor on that. 
his presence in this fourth quarter was the only way you were able to dig yourself back out of that hole. This is a team that is, I think, quite reliant on him not to get injured, more so than I, th- I would have even said in previous years. Yeah, to an extent, particularly with the injuries to the wide receivers. Mm. Um, it's very pertinent. Now, Gronk historically has played extremely well against Pittsburgh because of the style of defense Pittsburgh play. We saw Pittsburgh mix up their defense a bit this game, but couldn't keep going the whole time. It was one of those moments of being like, hey, remember the way we threw to Gronkowski, we always beat Pittsburgh. Let's just try that for a drive and see what happens. And mm. that is exactly what happened. They struggled to basically maintain coverage over the middle of the field, and he was able to make a series of catches, and then ultimately, yeah, poor call on the two-point conversion. We did see Pittsburgh play more man coverage than they usually do against New England. They obviously mm-hmm. watched the tape of the Miami game, were like, hey, this works, but the problem is a guy like Gronk is, you know, you're realistically going to have, you know, a linebacker who's too slow, particularly with Shazir out, yeah. who's one of the linebackers who could go stride for stride with Gronkowski, and, you know, like we saw with the two-point conversion, corners are too small. It's all cliche, but it's all true. And it took New England a long time to really wake up to the fact they had to exploit that that mm-hmm. matchup. But once it kicked in, once again, Pittsburgh just did not have an answer for that. Yeah. Like, and I, so think, I, do I think, think the lesson for me is don't suspend New England Patriot players. They just come back and beat you even harder than they did before. <laughs> <laughs> so this, yeah, this, this result essentially locks up that if these two teams meet again this season, it will be at home for New England in the playoffs. Do we think that that'll be a big factor? Because honestly, if I look at this game and I'm Pittsburgh, and obviously they, they prefer to win at home, have a bit of home field advantage. If you're Pittsburgh and you think, right, if we have Antonio Brown here, there's a good chance that we can do something more with it. Is this a game that makes you think, ah, shit, they've still got our number? Or is it one that you look at and go, well, actually, if we just tweak one or two bits, there's, there's a chance? If this was a one-off game, sure. But the record of the Pittsburgh Steelers against New England over the last few years has just been so bad. So terrible. And to lose in this fashion when obviously you should win, you're at home, you're playing for the number one seed, just kind of continues that kind of feeling that you imagine that if it's in a playoff situation, if it's the AFC Championship game and it's close still, there's just that kind of small psychological edge where the New England Patriot players and the New England Patriots, like you know, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, believe they can win, whereas there'll always be that sliver of doubt on the other side mm-hmm. uh, from Bell Rothbard. Well, maybe not Ben Rothbard, because not. Yeah, probably doesn't have imagination, but for like the team as an org- as a whole, I think you know, it, it, like you know, these things are often overstated. They're just nice for like you know sporting narratives. But I think it is true that when you're losing to the same team over and over again, it does have that build like that kind of cumulative effect, which could make that small difference. I think you know, if you play well enough, if you play to your scheme, you can still win anyway. But just when the very small margins, which obviously can come in at this level of uh, this level of quality, that could make the difference. I think in the end, in a kind of you know. It's it's hard to measure, but it kind of feels that way. In the same way, if Pittsburgh played KC in the in the playoffs, you'll feel like there might be that little bit of doubt yeah, yeah, in the KC yeah, yeah, yeah. locker room. I know exactly um, what it is. That's why yeah, I'm making my, my, my AFC predictions at the moment. We'll have yeah. uh, us going up to play New England and the Jags going up to play in Pittsburgh. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's even more true because Mike Tomlin has specifically made that a point in the organisation through the choice of comments he made a few weeks ago that just ramps it up even more if they meet again in the playoffs that they failed at this first hurdle where they said you know we're going to define the ground that the playoffs is going to happen in they've now failed that first hurdle um, we'll move on to the to the neutral zone game Green Bay Carolina uh, 24 to 31 Green Bay are now out of the playoffs um, obviously we mentioned they brought back Aaron Rodgers for this game to try and be the, the, the great white hope for them uh, this was an interesting one where we saw Carolina kind of lean heavily on the run game see a lot of running from Cam Newton as well Cam Newton is now I think he's got his highest yards per carry um, in his entire career this year and I'm not sure if it's because he doesn't trust his weapons on the outside or what it is but he seems to be moving a little bit more to that is that Something, and I think we've asked this question beforehand this season. Is that something that you think could be sustainable into the playoffs? Because I know, Ronan, you said you looked at this team and thought they were the they were the best out of that group of three at the moment. Yeah. I'm not sure. In in the NFC side, I think on form, I think New Orleans over the course of the season will be better. But the last few weeks, there's just been I don't know some some chinks in the armor of New Orleans seem to have been getting worse and worse over the last month or so. You look at that Jets game. So, like, it's not like I think Carolina are the best team in the NFC. I think they're the best in the NFC South right now. Mm-hmm. I would still take Minnesota. Uh, I'd definitely take Minnesota over them. And I'd probably take Philadelphia and the Rams over them. But, like, you know, at midseason, we talked about the fact that Carolina didn't look like a very good team because they were trying to turn Cam Newton into a pocket passer. And around that time of the season, I said, I expect that after the bye, what they're going to do is they're going to just return to their, you know, 20... 
uh, to their 2015 game plan. You know, Cam Newton run the ball, John Stewart run the ball, Christian McCaffrey is now an extra X factor in there. They got rid of Calvin Benjamin, like their wide receiver core isn't amazing. Uh, but you know, like they brought by like and they have Greg Olson back, which made a huge difference in this game, just in giving Cam Newton an outlet. But I think just the truth is is that, you know, I don't believe it's sustainable enough to take you all the way to the Super Bowl, but there's no doubting that it is incredibly effective at beating down most teams. Mm-hmm. I just think it's just that same issue I think we've always had about Cam Newton, always about Carolina. When things are going good for them, when they're running over teams, he looks like the best quarterback in the world. Basically he looks he looks invincible, he looks like Superman. But the problem is is that when things get tough, when they're behind, when he needs to be, you know, make a he makes subtle passes to make passes with touch He's not going to be able to do it, in my opinion, and that will be the deciding factor for Carolina not like getting to the Super Bowl and winning a Super Bowl, in my opinion. Yeah, but like we saw, we saw him having a bit of fun in this game, particularly that one. I think it's been doing the rounds online of uh, him saying, "Oh, you've watched tape, have you? Watch this," and then throwing like a quick wheel route to McCaffrey or whatever. Like it is the kind of thing that they seem to be gelling as a team and seem positive about where they are. And as we said, we do think the emotions of the team are a bit fickle. That if they start to lose, they can crumble a little bit. But is this a spot where maybe it's not the most sustainable? Maybe it's similar to maybe how the how the Chiefs have looked the last couple of weeks. They're just rounding into form at the right time to try and make a push. Yeah, I, I, I like. I think there's none of that. I certainly think that the form is is there, and you can only beat what's in front of you. But bear in mind, like Aaron Rodgers threw three picks in this game. Mm. Like they were given this game essentially on a platter by Green Bay through a series of offensive um, errors. And they still only beat them by seven points. And this is a bad defense as well. Yeah. This is a, as we've seen, a talent-deficient and poorly coached defense in Green Bay this season. While you're saying, yeah, it was a win, the scoreline probably looks closer than the game was. And there was some very nice play out of Carolina on both sides of the ball. I still don't see what would transform them, in my opinion, out of this game into something more than what I've seen them be so far this season. So, right now, I do think that the form is in their favor, right? But like you said... If you put this team against New Orleans and wipe the slate clean, I would expect New Orleans would still be able to beat them. Nothing that happened this week changed yeah. my opinion on that. Well, like you, you mentioned there that Rodgers threw a couple of picks, and obviously they're out of contention. I'm not going to discuss them as much, but like this Green Bay team rushed Rodgers back. They put him in as soon as they possibly could. Like, was that a mistake? Was this a not 100% Aaron Rodgers? Should they have just decided to, 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 to forego bringing him back in and just see what they could have done without? I think like Brett Hundley doesn't win this game either. Yeah. So I think Brett Hundley doesn't really give you a chance to win this game. Does Colin but Kaepernick? <laughs> more than Brett Hundley. Um, so on the one hand, Green Bay were in a bit of a bind. But on the other hand, it, so it was clearly too soon. But they didn't really have any other option. So mm. it's, there was no good option here for Green Bay, I don't think. Yeah. For me, the big deal, like what's been exposed this year, this is the first year Green Bay haven't made the playoffs in, I think, a decade. It's exposed the fact that this team is Aaron Rodgers plus his merry men. And, you know, there's definite questions there that on that defense, under Dom Capers, has been in place for pretty much that entire stretch with these, like, personnel in the coaching tree, that there are questions of whether that organization is just riding the lucky, like, basically their look that they have Aaron Rodgers and are actually not really good enough to push this team to get the Super Bowls, that really a player of Aaron Rodgers' quality would be getting multiple Super Bowls with, with perhaps a better organisation. Like, if he was in New England, he'd probably have 20 by this point, probably. Could you, could you uh, imagine what the Jaguars would look like if they had Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, and I think that's, that's for <laughs> me. Like, you know, any time a team like Green Bay doesn't make the playoffs, questions are going to be asked, and it'll be interesting to see how this organisation, even though obviously it's a conservative organisation that believes in continuity, if something changes in there, I think on the defense in particular, like I think the fans have been clamoring for something to happen for for over uh, three or four years at this point. Yeah, and I think there's there's always been off season talk, and even with ourselves mid season talk about what they're doing with McCarthy, whether he needs to change, whether their GM situation needs a bit of a movement on it as well, and whether their philosophy that they approach it with uh, can actually last in the modern era. Because it's one thing to say that we want to just build through the draft. It's easy to claim that when you've had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks for the last 25 years. Uh, finally, onto the dumpster fire. It uh, feels cruel to call it a dumpster fire because Goat Rapolo was fun. Uh, Tennessee at San Francisco, 23-25. to Lads, it seems that we're all getting on board here. Tennessee are just a bag of shit, right? Yes, Tennessee have for like basically nearly two months now looked one of the worst teams in the NFL. Now, they've managed to be... like They've basically had one of the softest schedules as well. But yet, now down the stretch over the last month or so, they've actually started picking up the losses that they really should have been accumulating much sooner than that. Mm-hmm. In this game, 
like the you know like you have two running backs, Demarco Murray and Derrick Henry, who have pretty high expectations of or pretty high reputations of at least, and they didn't really do anything. You have like fifty nine yards and, and eighteen attempts you have for Murray, and then you know nineteen yards and seven attempts for Henry. Those aren't you know number like you know number one running back mm-hmm. from either numbers from either. And then Marcus Mariota has just been so meh. Like obviously Mariota like the last, like since he came into the league looked like the most exciting quarterback from that class he came in. But this year they're just I don't know what's wrong. I don't know if it's the surrounding talent. I don't know if he's injured. I don't know what the hell's happening. But Mariota definitely seems to have taken a step back and it kinda of makes you wonder if you know, if you take away Mariota's kind of explosiveness, his ground game is he really just another mediocre quarterback who's going to flush out of being flush out of the league, you know, sooner than we would have expected, mm. based on what he did in his first couple of years? It's For Tennessee in- right now, they're just boring. They're not interesting. Their defense is kind of they're just meh all over, and I don't really want to see them anywhere in January. Uh, they're just yeah, yeah, they're hard to. Play I'd much rather see now. Jimmy Garoppolo in, in January, to be honest. <laughs> it's true, it's true. <laughs> but but it's interesting what you say about like is um, is Mariota just like injury going to wash? I think is because. We could say similar things about his uh, his draft mate uh, James Winston has also looked poor. Mm. And where where was it was traditionally a isn't it sophomore slump their second year? This is their third year now in the league, isn't it? And they're starting to to look figured out and not quite being able to put it together. It, is that do you think a change from just how the game is played versus what it was beforehand, or is it just that they have that that surprise element lasts a little bit longer with these more athletically inclined quarterbacks? Uh, maybe I mean Sean Kaiser's pretty athletic and he stinks. Mm, um, that's true. No, I always, well, I always look. I always thought James Winston was bad, so I, I, I'm not surprised by that. I always thought mm. he had terrible decision making, and he's done nothing to improve it. Mariota is a bit surprising, and like Ronan says, maybe it's an injury. Maybe there's something we don't know about. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't look like he's really developed as a pocket passer, and now that he's not being able to move around as much, we're seeing that exposed. And I think ultimately, quarterback development part of it is is only so far some people can go. But it's going to come down to coaching as well. Yeah. And you look at another just ugly game plan from Tennessee where they struggled to execute so many times. There were dropped touchdowns. There were fumbles. There were missed passes that they should have made. There was like losing. San Francisco kicked six field goals or something. Yeah. They just look bad. Uh, and they just look turgid and stodgy and pointless. And that's the tight. That's what the tight. That's proper Titans football, isn't it? It is. It's proper Titans football. But the thing I will say when we're discussing quarterback development is there's a very good approach to it. That is, get New England to do it for you, and then take that player from them. Jimmy Garoppolo has looked very good over the last couple of weeks. Like he's won the last three in a row, uh, I believe. And then uh, the, with the with the loss of the Chargers to the Chiefs last week, that means that the Jacksonville to San Francisco game uh, is going to decide who is the longest active winning streak in the NFL. Like that is a surprising turnaround from a team that were destined for. 0 oh, and 16 or 1 and 15. Uh, these really seems to be revitalizing this franchise. This is this is starting to look like a team in San Fran that could potentially compete next year, right? Yeah, like, and he's not doing it. It's not a situation where it's like, oh, there was like all these talented pieces on the offense waiting for Jimmy Garoppolo to show up. Like the offensive line is okay; they have some pieces there, but he's throwing to like Goodwin, Salik, Kittle. And he's turned Marquise Goodwin into a genuinely like exciting-looking player, yeah. uh, which is like, which is really good for Goodwin because obviously he's been dealing with some uh, personal issues in terms of deaths. Uh, good for Marquise Goodwin, Goodwin, and, and thanks Jimmy yeah, for that. Um, but like, yeah, like this is an offense which is bereft of talent. I'm sure after all the talent they've put into the, through the draft over the last few years, I'm sure the offense is where they'll be putting all their draft capital this year. But despite that, Jimmy Garoppolo has marched his team up and down the field. Basically, the only black mark on him so far is that when they've got to the red zone, he hasn't thrown interceptions, but he hasn't got the got the touchdowns. Yeah. He's, he's got a few too many field goals, possibly. But like, I think ultimately that's down to the fact that, you know, when you have, when your best, like, t- red zone threat is probably, like, George Kittle, I don't necessarily blame the quarterback mm-hmm. uh, for, for not necessarily converting every time. The, you know, the, the, the most important thing is that he's moving the team along. He's... Chewing up the clock, he's making that offense tick, and he's doing this obviously within an offensive system, which we're all told all the time is so super complex. Kyle Shanahan is an offensive genius, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but he's managed to, you know, whatever he's learned so Pick far, it up and use he's it, yeah. looking amazing regardless. No, of course, I will say I'll be very interested this week to see how he does uh, against Jacksonville because mm. let's be honest, it's not exactly a murderer's row of defenses he's been playing against so far, but uh, it should be should be fun, and I think this sets them up nicely for competing. Yeah, but even though you said about like not being murderers. Row like bear in mind that Tennessee shut down the run game 
for this for San Fran. Like he did have to win this by himself. Yeah, that's true. So fair play to him for that. He looks very good. Yeah, no, and I don't does. just mean physically because he's beautiful. Oh, he is. He's a beautiful <laughs> man. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how they develop. Uh, so I suppose we'll move on to some questions from the listeners. So uh, we've got one that comes in here from uh, John P. And he says, what is the worst Christmas present you have ever received? Uh, I don't get Christmas presents. I'm Jewish. Okay, so Judaism was the worst Christmas present that you ever got. Uh, I'm starting to think that Rams loss might be it. But anyway, uh, (laughs) (laughs) nothing usually is the worst present, I suppose. Aww. Um, Dude, that's a bit no, sad. I don't actually. I haven't really got that many bad presents. There was like some stuff that didn't fit in terms of clothes. That was oh, fair enough. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think the I think the worst one I ever got was uh, from my youngest brother. Uh, he had obviously like obviously the the, the parents had like kind of given him kind of a couple of quid and said like go in and get some presents. And he didn't want to spend it on presents. He wanted to spend it on cans or something. You know, because <laughs> uh, I got a present of you know they can get like secondhand DVDs back in the day from uh, from the shops all the yeah. time. So I got a second-hand DVD, but it wasn't a DVD. It was it was a second-hand DVD that came on the cover of, I believe it was an Empire Films magazine. So it was just a second-hand DVD of trailers from a year and a half previously <laughs> that had clearly cost about 20p in the oh shop. Oh, my God. And he just gone and got me one. He's really terrible present. It was phenomenal. I kept completely quiet at Christmas. And I just didn't mention it. I was like, oh, Jesus, thanks very much. Like, uh, And he's mentioned it in passing to me once before. Uh, so I think he's well aware that he fucking did it as well <laughs> Jesus but uh, no that was good uh, question here from Terence. he says we see some fortunes changing for teams what is it at the tail end of seasons that causes big growth spurts or collapses is it just injuries is it team morale or what uh, that's a very vague question but uh, I think it's lots of these things it can vary wildly it can be scheme changes it can be personnel changes so like well, so I, think, I think it's a situation where you notice it so much more because the consequences can seem so much yeah. larger ever like you know the teams that are out are always already thinking about the future and the teams that are in playoff contention you know suddenly you're thinking you're kind of sorting between okay who's a contender who's not a contender what do i think is going to happen i think everyone this time of year uh is thinking about the future for one reason or another and mm-hmm. that's where all these changes you're happening are trying to extrapolate out even further because uh, I think the variance in the middle of the season happens, but you're just not as interested. It's just kind of, I'll uh, wait and see what happens. I'm not really going to be too invested in it right yeah, now. I suppose, I suppose right, it's that thing of like, you can always justify a bad run saying, Ash, look, we can turn it around the back part of the season or everywhere. But when it's in the back part of the season, you're facing nine months without any football, and you're like, God damn it, this is going to leave a bad taste yeah. in the mouth. Not that you know much about that, Harry, you lucky prick with your Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. And uh, finally, this one comes in from. Danny and he says uh, do we have any college prospects that we're looking at particularly towards the draft next year uh, no uh, <laughs> <laughs> they caught us out haven't what, they what, what, I've, uh, what, what I have done is I started looking at lists of players a little bit to then kind of have a look and then it, it's very much a thing of uh, at the moment what I'm doing is I'm looking at the team looking whose contracts are coming up on like the Chiefs rather than I'm not looking at it around the league and then going right we don't pick until because we don't have a first round pick this year at the moment so like I'm just looking at oh top twenty cornerbacks in the NFL or sorry in in in, uh, in college right let's see see who's sitting around number fifteen or seventeen on this list and then like let's get super pumped on whatever college tape I can find of theirs that's like yeah. the height of what I can hope for at the moment I think the only thing we've even looked at uh, is just the quarterback situation because oh yeah, yeah yeah be high like you know two months from now you're going to be hearing a lot about Lamar Jackson Baker Mayfield. Possibly Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen, and whoever else declares. Um, you know the quarterbacks. We know the teams that need them. We know there's probably going to be at least one or two that will tempt teams, and there's a possibility of having up to maybe four potential first round quarterbacks mm. uh, going on. Uh, still calling that Baker Mayfield to Cleveland Browns terrible decision number one pick uh, mm. could definitely happen because Cleveland. Like this is, and we'll probably talk about this closer to the off season. But like, I reckon this is going to be an off season where there's a huge amount of quarterbacks moving around the league, like both in teams and people looking for new people and stuff like that. So I'd say there'll probably be a fierce push on that even pre-draft. So we'll know very quickly about a lot of movements that are happening. Yeah, I'm just frantically googling long snappers. Don't mind me. Fair enough. Uh, that's good. Uh, so do we reckon anyone's got a first round grade on a kicker this time around, uh, or are they still looking back at the Aguayo scenario? Who I believe last week got uh, got kicked off the Carolina Panthers practice squad. Hooray! 
<laughs> a bio. Uh. Yeah. Did I mention about his, did you read about his brother? Did I mention that on the podcast? Before? No, I don't think so. So his brother Ricky is also a kicker. I think it's his brother. A little while ago, Ricky Aguayo got in a spat with some frat members. So in a way of revenge, this is kind of fucked up story. He went back to the frat and he murdered the frat's pet turtle. What? Yeah. Which is just extremely uncool. Well, there is one funny thing is that the turtle's name is Turntle. Turntle? Turnt. He was a turnt oh, turtle. Oh, he was a turnt turtle. Fair turntle. enough. Uh, but yeah, poor Turntle is now dead. And um, Fuck you, Aguayo's brother. Yeah, correct. Uh, yeah, fuck that. Uh, don't draft him. That's my advice. Uh, shit anyway, apparently. Yeah, don't draft him at all. Uh, suppose with that, we will move on to our picks for next week. So, first up, we have Indianapolis at Baltimore. Uh, we're taking Baltimore across the board. Fitz? Yeah, Indianapolis are kind of just... Like, they're still playing, technically, but they're pretty much clocked out. Baltimore are playing for wild card, like wild card playoff contention and have looked much better over the last month or so, actually getting that offense going. So this should be a pretty easy game for Baltimore, especially yeah. at home. Well, also, we'll probably discuss this uh, maybe in the off-season, but I have a feeling that uh, Andrew Luck might actually already be dead and that they're doing an entire weekend at Bernie-style thing with him <laughs> pretending that he still exists and is over in Europe. <laughs> uh, Minnesota at Green Bay. We're taking Minnesota across the board. Uh, Harry? Yeah, look, I mean, no Rodgers against that defence. No, nah, that's not going to happen. Minnesota should be able to pretty comfortably take this one. Yeah, uh, LA Rams at Tennessee. We're taking Rams across the board. Uh, yeah, the the destruction of the Seattle Seahawks. Like, Seahawks are better than Tennessee. Tennessee are dog shit. We've already discussed how bad they are. Rams are going to romp this one. Uh, it's just a question of how long they leave their starters in for, I think. Uh, Buffalo at New England. We're taking New England across the board, Harry. Buffalo don't look good right now. New England also haven't looked as good as they have, but... We saw Buffalo, I think, give it their absolute best shot in Buffalo and still come up short. Yeah. I don't see what they're going to be able to do better in Foxborough. So Fair enough. Uh, Atlanta, New Orleans, uh, Ronan, we're taking New Orleans across the board. Yeah, like I think this is it's closer than it might have been considered a few, like about a month or two ago. Atlanta seemed to have found some solutions, albeit they've been a bit up and down. But when they've been on form, they've actually been probably, uh, they, they looked very good. New Orleans, on the other hand, seemed to have struggled a bit. That Alvin Kamara concussion situation, he didn't perhaps didn't look quite as dynamic as he did, or that the offense was kind of figuring things out still against the Jets. And they, uncharacteristically, Breeze was very uh, was very loose with the ball. So I think New Orleans at home, you still have to take them as favorite. Their form over the course of the season has bought them the benefit of the doubt. But this is a huge game in the in the NFC side. Atlanta playing for the potential to win but uh, we take New Orleans at home uh, Cleveland at Chicago I'm taking Chicago Fitz is taking Chicago Harry's taking Cleveland uh, Chicago defense looked okay they've got running backs they're not good but Cleveland's like no Harry why are you taking Cleveland is it just to get them off the schneid spirit of Christmas giving this, uh, this could be their isn't it they, yeah this could be their second Hugh Christmas Eve wins at Christmas yeah he only wins on Christmas Eve Christmas Eve um, yeah this is <laughs> Going to not be very good. Um, look, I just uh, I've like Chicago might be the only team as badly coached as Cleveland. Cleveland, like other than the fact that their coaching is terrible and their quarterback is terrible, still look like competitive for parts of games. Chicago again just sort of fumbled around for a bit and they were like, "I fuck it, we'll let Trubisky throw it a load and see what happened." Mm-hmm. Three interceptions. If Chicago do that again, Cleveland can definitely beat them. Yeah. yeah. And the, the issue with Cleveland, like with Deshaun Kaiser, is he looks okay. He doesn't look like a terrible quarterback, but every time he gets into the red zone, he's throwing fucking picks. And that's just such a back-breaking situation mm. for a team that's so desperate to get a win. If Deshaun Kaiser could just not throw the ball to the other team in the red zone, that would give Cleveland a very good chance but, in this game. But, so please, Deshaun Kaiser, you know, this Christmas, do a miracle. Uh, no, don't try to do a miracle. Just settle for the field goal. Like, this is the this is the thing with Cleveland. Cleveland, I believe their defense is ranked fifteenth uh, on both yards and points allowed, but they are by a distance having the most turnovers on offense. I think they are only two behind the record, and they have two games left to go. Wow. Uh, so this could be a record-breaking uh, turnover year for them. So we'll see. Detroit at Cincinnati. We've taken Detroit across the board. Uh, Cincinnati are poo. They're getting their running back back this week but like Detroit as I said I don't like them I don't think they're great but I think they're going to have enough to to, to, to do it in this spot uh, also Cincinnati have kind of 
they've essentially said that they're that they're getting rid of uh, of, of uh, Marvin Lewis after this season. Well, now. Marvin Lewis said, "You can't fire me. I quit." Yeah, yeah, but then he also he apparently rolled it back a little bit this week as well. Oh, has he now? I well, he, 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 he said he said that he's going to leave, and he was like, "But you know, who knows what kind of." Opportunities might present themselves. <laughs> so I think it might it might be a walking back towards. There's been a suggestion that maybe he might take over in a GM role and let someone else take over as the head coach. Maybe Hugh Jackson. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, to be honest, like where where the fuck else is Hugh Jackson getting a job if true. he goes one in thirty one? Next up, we have Tampa Bay at Carolina. Uh, we've taken Carolina across the board, Harry. Yeah. Right now, like discussed earlier, uh, Carolina are a team with the, the wind in their sails a bit. Tampa Bay are Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, they have potential, and they pushed Atlanta very close. But right now, it's hard to see this Carolina team losing to them. Basically, yeah, that's <laughs> it. Uh, next up, we have Miami at Kansas City. We're taking Kansas City across the board. Um, yeah, basically, Kansas City have been looking good the last two weeks. They seem to have got stuff together. Bizarrely, Darrell Rivas is playing well. A big, big surprise, but yeah, cool. Uh, Miami, while they looked a bit of a upstart against the New England Patriots in that game, they were dog shit last week and threw three interceptions, no touchdowns for Jay Cutler. This is a you could have any kind of mixture of Miami team turn up at this one, but the most important thing is to continue your theory that if you lose lots of games in a row in Kansas City, you then win lots of games in a row, and they're going to win the Super Bowl because of that. That's the only reason they have to keep winning these games. Even though they're probably in the playoffs, regardless of number four seed, that's yeah. the important thing. Right well, this now. is the thing: like we're shooting for the moon, so we're going to say the last time we went one and five over a period, we then followed it up with ten straight wins. We don't even need ten straight wins this time around, so let's just keep it going. Uh, next up, we have Denver at the Mazungus, and we've gone for the Mazungus across the board. Harry, is this anything to do with the news of an injury? Well, I mean, it doesn't help Denver. <laughs> I don't know if it hurts them that much. Like Simeon looked pretty bad. Um, I think this is just this is just the case of these are two teams that have kind of Denver has been a long, slow slide into oblivion, and Washington have just gone off a cliff in the last few weeks. Mm. So um, it's to me, it's a close game. It's gonna be a shit game. Just gonna give it to the home team. Yeah, I'm still tempted. Listen, I might come back to this one and change my pick on Denver before the end of the picks. <laughs> I just like, I just have a feeling it's just gonna be terrible, and it'll be like. Three safeties to two safeties or something like that. Uh, LA Chargers at the Jets. We're taking the Chargers across the board. Fitz? Yeah, the Chargers are fighting for for their for basically for any playoffs hope they have. They're definitely still in the hunt. The Jets can't like they they continue to fight, and I certainly wouldn't give this as a gimme by any no, chance. No, I wouldn't either. Uh, but you expect that the Chargers, with the amount of talent that they have, with their ability to kind of shut down Bryce Petty, who's just not very good at football. Perhaps we'll see Christian Hackenberg as well. Um, I think we saw, even though New Orleans basically tried to hand them the game, they couldn't get any offense going. The Chargers have Bosa, they have uh, Melvin Ingram. It's kind of a situation where you, you don't expect mm. the Jets to be able to do, get the ball further than 50 yards in total. This so, is the thing, yeah, if, to the Chargers. if McCann wasn't injured, I'd be taking the Jets here because the Chargers are historically brutal when they travel coast to coast. Like, this is this is not a setup for them, but it's just, I just, like, the fact that we might see a half of Christian Hackenberg tells me to not back them. Yeah. Harry is dying in front of us because of the because even the of thought Christian of the hack attack. Uh, Jacksonville at San Francisco. We've got Jacksonville across the board. Jacksonville are a very very good team. They're going to go to the playoffs. San Francisco are good, but they're not that good. And like I think this is going to be where we're going to see uh, some stupid reactionary articles coming up in like the San Francisco Times and stuff about like oh was it all a mirage? Is Jimmy G? Really, our future is like he is. It's just going to be like this is a proper championship level defense in Jacksonville, and I think they're going to shut them down quite effectively. Uh, Seattle at Dallas. Uh, I'm taking Dallas. Uh, you two lads are taking Seattle. Go on, Fitzy, tell us. Well, you know, third homer pick in a row, why not? Uh, fourth. Well, regardless, it's a situation where obviously these teams are playing basically to have any chance of making the playoffs. Seattle just took the absolute trancing of your life. You would imagine that they'll be doing stuff this week to try and react to that, even though their season, like even if they do it, they might still make the playoffs. I think it's that kind of situation where Dallas, over the last month or so, over the course of losing Ziggy Elliott, they kind of looked a bit... And I kind of have a feeling with Dallas that if they get into a bad hole early on, you could kind of see like Ziggy Elliott, he's not the... He's not the coolest head and stuff like that, and things started to go very bad yeah. overall. This should, it should be an interesting game, but both of these teams, even if they make the playoffs, probably aren't going any further in the wildcard round. Uh, but I think it's more important for the momentum that they'll have for next season almost uh, to see how they do in this game. Yeah. I think for Seattle, it's kind of 
if they lose this game, expect even more BM from uh, from uh, Seattle, and I'm sure that can only end well uh, yeah. for all watchers. No, of course. Home. Like I'm taking Dallas in this one just because I think both are a bit bind up. Uh, Seattle had no response to the run game last week, uh, and if this is a rested, now ripped looking Ziggy Elliott. It could be it could be a bit of an issue, but we'll see. It could go either way. Uh, New York Giants at Arizona. I've gone for Giants. Harry's gone for the Giants. Fitz has gone for Arizona. Why the Giants, Harry? I just feel like the Giants have suddenly a weight has been lifted off their shoulders. Yeah. All of a sudden, and they've actually looked quite competitive over the last two weeks. We've seen they still have a lot of problems. Don't get me wrong, but we've seen a team that's basically playing for nothing but pride, but actually seems to now want to prove a point that they're not this bad and that it was just Ben McAdoo basically yeah. um, we've seen Sterling Shepard look fantastic we see Ingram continue to look good everyone else is terrible but that's fine whatever um, Arizona just oh man like they were again just ugly directionless football again from the last week um, it's very hard to pick Arizona against anyone who seems up for it because that team just looks completely flat right now yeah. And we saw it again. They just looked in a winnable game, they just were flat. I can't pick them. Yeah, like I agree with that. Like I think you're you're right, you're right, the Giants have come back, but I think Arizona they looked flat last week, but like, you know, fair play considering what they've gone through this season in terms of injuries and stuff like that. They're they're six and eight. They've fought hard all season. Bruce Arian seems to get people to play mostly. I think they're at home. I think that makes it significant as well. And the Giants, I think, all season, the Giants, if they go behind early, they just kind of, eh, whatever. We're, we're kind of taking this off. Maybe Pride will be enough. I think Eli Manning obviously is playing his last couple of games now for New York Giants, almost certainly. Um, but I think Arizona, they've just been better over the course of the season, so I'm going to give it to them. Giants have just too often given up halfway through games and not done anything. Um, but yeah, it's close between two teams that are kind of staring into a lot of changes in the near future yeah the irrelevance bull uh, mm. Pittsburgh at Houston we're taking Houston or sorry we're taking Pittsburgh across the, <laughs> we're taking Pittsburgh across the board yeah like Pittsburgh are a good team Houston are not a good team this though this is a feel to me this is going to be one of these ones where Pittsburgh are going to look past it and they're going to win but they're going to win in an unnecessarily close game for some reason it's just it's just they're they're notorious for that kind of shite like, I think the fact that now because they lost the game last week and there's not as much variance in what will happen they won't be as focused in they're now just going to be again looking past as if like the comments that came beforehand but uh, like, Pittsburgh like, yeah, it's not their good. only hope Houston is that Jadavion Clowney basically just destroys Le'Veon Bell for like 60 minutes basically yeah. for the entire entire game and Jadavion Clowney this year has literally done that in certain games but yeah mm-hmm. Pittsburgh uh, Oakland and Philadelphia we're taking Philly across the board because Oakland sucks balls uh, why are we taking Philly either yeah yeah <laughs> Oakland are bad right now Philly are not I mean yeah the... we surprised at how well uh, how well their offense looked last week had to look good their defense looked shocking yeah <laughs> it was a weird game I think it was just one of those like division games where things went weird uh, I think Philly will be fine I'd, like you know there's definitely questions over how they'll do in the playoffs but I think against Oakland, they should have more than enough at home to kind of give them a good curb stopping overall. The cool. offense looks still looks good enough to be, a, you know, a good unit overall. And Oakland are just so bad on defense, so bad. Yeah, yeah. this will be. Uh, I must say, given that we've had a couple of weeks of good sets of games, there's a lot of games to definitely just not bother watching on this pile. <laughs> Um, but Which yeah. is convenient because you should be hanging, you know, paying attention to your family and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Over extrapolate best over a single. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, save that for the stats podcast. Um, oh, I can't wait for some more Thursday night football Saturday edition next week. Mm, be fun. Uh, let's see who've got Indianapolis, Baltimore. Mm, yeah, I was being sarcastic. Oh god, Minnesota, <laughs> Green Bay. Uh, Excellent. This should be fun. Six PM. So that's the oh god. Is that eleven PM our time? No, this the... is this is our time. Oh, that's great. So fantastic. So six PM slate's fine. To be honest with you, um, I'm going to enjoy that. That's my that's my Christmas Eve watching sorted. So, yeah, so happy days. Yeah, there's there. You know, it's not a great set of games. And uh, Texans, uh, uh, you know, Texas Steelers on Christmas Day isn't probably going to be quite as good as the Steelers Ravens game we got last year. No, yeah. it's not. It's not. <laughs> uh, but I think it's, it's definitely one of those ones. If only Deshaun Watson hadn't have you know killed his knee, basically, it'd be great. Yeah, 
But no, be good. So any any other crack for the rest of the next couple of days, lads? Or are you just kind of easing in? You're you're heading back up home, are you? Fitz? Yeah, back to cabin to uh, on Wednesday, and then uh, yeah, Christmas. I think that's the thing or something. I don't know. Yeah, uh, Harry, Harry, I, Harry might have heard of it, but uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. <laughs> I think uh, Harry just rolled his Listeners eyes. Listeners, yeah, could not see the depth of the eye roll. <laughs> yeah. I just pulled off. What about yourself? You're off for a few days and then you're back. Yeah, off until Friday, and then I'm working the whole way through. Uh, no days off until Ooh. I don't know when. I'll probably take a few off in the new year, but uh, yeah, I'll fair enough. Later. Um, yeah, I'm working out till working till Friday, and then on to Donegal for a few days, and back down working for a few days, and then off to Kerry for New Year's. So that'll be fun. But I'm going to take the first week of January off because uh, I'm going to work between Christmas and New Year's. A combo of. Uh, some work needs doing that we need to have no one else playing around with the data at the same time of and also because there'll be no one else in I can do that and I can probably just get a load of study done in the office is that with... the 27th 28th 29th period yeah so drop my Facebook for lunch for oh that'll be fab yeah there we go lunch date sorted uh, yeah, yeah. but no uh, I'd say that nothing else too wild or crazy obviously uh, excited now that the Chiefs are looking to make the playoffs I think as I said 96% chance yeah. boot, boot. Uh, and hopefully a good chance that we might be able to win a game playoffs maybe not more than one game but one game will do um but yeah so uh i suppose as we always say get us questions on facebook twitter pornhub etsy all those things linkedin um we're now on gab as well we have an alt-right presence on the internet oh excellent uh, <laughs> we're not on gab and we never will be i don't know what that is it's alt-right twitter Oh, they have their own Twitter? Yeah, they have their own everything. They've got, like, Vote, which is alt-right, Reddit, and all this shit. Like, wow. they basically got banned from enough sites they're setting up their own. Nobody uses them, obviously. Yeah. Um, but it is quite funny. Interesting. They're just like... And you know what? I'm okay with it. They can all go and, like, talk to each other. As long as they're not hassling anyone else. <laughs> Fuck off, like... Fair enough, fair enough. Um, but I suppose uh, with that, we will finish up. So it's bye from myself, bye from Harry. Bye. Bye from Ronan. Bye. It's been all four quarters. Thanks very much for listening, and we will catch you next week. <laughs>